Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Lentesta, and this is our show for the week of Schmer's Day, March 13th, 2023. On the show today, it's the 10th anniversary of the Disney Dish Podcast, and Jim gives us the history of Cinderellabration. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that it's okay, just for this week, to refer to twice-baked potatoes as Irish guacamole. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It's going well, and, and uh, well, uh, kind of interesting, uh, 10th anniversary for the podcast, and, yeah. and Nancy and I have been together as a couple for 26 years this year. Muzzle tough, you crazy kids. Yeah, well, we finally entered that phase of, of our relationship where, where Nancy actually trusts me to pick out the avocados for guacamole. Wow, really? Ironically enough, it took years of fondling to finally get to the point. Uh, the avocados, not Nancy. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're both a squeeze, I'm just saying. Whatever, yeah. So. I have not figured that out yet. I know that like some of them are rock, rock hard, yeah. but, but an avocado's life is, like, if I can imagine what an avocado is thinking, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not ripe, I'm not ripe, I'm not ripe, then Len goes to the bathroom, I, I'm ripe, and then I come back from the bathroom, and it's like, I've rotted away. There we go. I always shop on Friday. I make this avocado thing for Nancy for on Sunday mornings. And it just, and it's gauging the, okay, you are not ripe on Friday. But if I leave you on my kitchen counter. You're predicting an avocado two days out? That's a skill, Jim. Well. Maybe we should do a cooking podcast. <laughs> I didn't say I was perfect at it. I said, at this point, Nancy trusts me. But every so often, I look over and get her. She's, she's moving her jaw rather energetically. And I get it wrong. <laughs> No, it's fine. Mean, it's good. I'm just, it's fine. It's great. Right. This is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Are you we, sure this isn't the pit? Okay. <laughs> there you go. So. I'm having the straight trouble with cantaloupe. That's another uh, another conversation. Uh, no, no. Totally different. I don't. I, I can't go down that road. <laughs> All right, Jim. Let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com who clearly know how to pick fruits and vegetables better than us. Thanks to new subscribers Antoinette Fornchell, Springberry06, and Brendan Beck, and longtime subscribers BJ Goss, Bruce Leb and Trey Kwan. Jim, these are the residents of Disney's Dreamlight Valley video game, who set the prices for things like eggplant, pumpkins, and pan-fried anglerfish. They say they got the job after making a killing in arbitrage on Remy's soufflés with Warren Buffett. True story. <laughs> By the way, have you played this game, Jim? No, my daughter Alice, though who, again, is quite the gamer. I, I, mm. It's been the same thing, sort of alluding to, you know, oh, my God. It's similar to, to Animal Crossing on Nintendo. Laurel and I got a, a PS5 late mm. last week, mm-hmm. and I've actually managed to have a couple minutes of conversation with Laurel <laughs> since then, since she started playing Dreamlight Valley. Yeah. yeah. Amazingly addictive game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Have the the nightmare creatures entered yet, or um, I'm not yet. I mean, Scar is there. Okay. Okay. But okay. not not yet. No. And I like to watch Laurel play the game because I don't, I don't want to play it myself. Mm-hmm. There are literally thousands of things you can obtain in that game. I actually counted because they'll show you like you know you've got 18 out of 765 of whatever these things are. There are, are thousands of objects in that game. Amazing, amazing thing. Absolutely. And when in doubt, you know, semaphore flags work as well when you're trying to communicate. <laughs> exactly. <you know>. So. <laughs> 
All right, Jim, let's do uh, a news and patents segment real quick. Folks, mm-hmm. the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim, we're recording this in advance because you and I are actually in Las Vegas and Disneyland this week. So we don't really know what the news is going to be mm-hmm. right now. So my thought here for this segment is since we're recording in advance and we don't know what's going to be announced, is that our listeners should shout out the news headlines and we can record in advance our reactions to them. Okay. So if our listeners want to shout out a, uh, a news headline, I'm going to count down three, two, one. You guys can shout out the headline. I'll give you 10 seconds. And then I am going to respond to whatever you shouted out in advance using my psychic knowledge. Are you ready, Jim? Oof. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, shout it out. Oh, yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is part of that Magic Kingdom expansion. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> we'll see how this works. We'll try this. We'll see what happens. Okay, anyway. Okay. Like, but, Jim, right. on uh, is, is, because we don't have any news, let me talk about patents here real quick. Because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, Laurel got a PlayStation last week. And we've been playing the heck out of it. I've also been playing the Galaxy's Edge VR preview, which I love. Okay. And this got me thinking about all those patents Disney has for augmented reality and virtual reality mm-hmm. that they're not really doing anything with yet. Or are they? I made some phone calls. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about this on an upcoming show. So that's my little teaser for when we get back. You did see those those images from, uh, we were just talking about uh, Galaxy's Edge, from mm-hmm. the studio's version of uh, Black Spire Outpost of, what debuted, or excuse me, who, the pair that debuted at Disney's Hollywood Studios back on March 1st. And, oh, uh, the Mandalorian and uh, Grogu? Yes, you know, yeah. and did you get the same vibe looking at those images that was late Elvis, early Beatles, uh, crowd size, <laughs> at frenzy? It was, uh, it, was, it was super impressive. Very, very popular. Christy was there to, uh, mm-hmm. to get the, the images, yeah. But they, but they look good and, you know, coincided with the release of season three of The Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice tie-in. I wonder if this is one of those characters, though, where is Disney Plus paying for the character? Like, once the once the promo money is gone, will the Mandalorian oh, and Grogu also go that away? That is an excellent question. Let me make some phone calls. Let me see, find out about you know who's footing uh, you know the veil here for this one. Also, is the um, is the Grogu the one that we saw in the workshop of um, Garner Holt? Again, another excellent question. And by the mm. way, we we might we're gonna, actually we're be touring the Garden Hope facilities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. we have a couple of other uh, surprises up our sleeve. We'll uh, we'll talk about it when we get back. Okay. Assuming you get out of the snowstorm, Jim. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> this could be this could be a lens crazy adventure. Chase the polar bears off the porch. <laughs> One other interesting bit of timing uh, last week that that politics aside. Did you notice that Governor DeSantis in in Florida signed the bill to change over the the Reedy Creek Improvement District in the exact same window of time that his book, The Courage to be Free, became available for sale? You know, just what an amazing coincidence, Len, don't you think? It was a nice bit of stagecraft. um, I've finally heard from some of our lawyer friends who Mm -hmm. have read through not only the bill, but then the summary of the bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, on an upcoming episode, I will give you their interpretation of the summary of the bill mm-hmm. because it was I laughed for like five minutes. <laughs> and there's there's actually some deeper meaning to it, but the interpretation of it from a lawyer. You know, lawyers aren't generally the jokey kind of people. 
but when they uh, when they, when they have their moments, it's really funny. Oh no, no, so no doubt. We'll 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 do another shit. I am going to pick up a copy of the Courage to Be Free just because there is supposedly a, a chapter in here that deals with uh, Governor DeSantis' interactions with Bob Chapek, the former head of the Walt Disney oh. Company. I just saw that right before we we recorded. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us how Cinderella Bration came to Walt Disney World. We'll be right back. It's all about anniversaries on this show. Before we forget, it be honor of our 10th anniversary doing the the Disney dish, I, I want to point out that the traditional gift for the, the 10th anniversary is either tin or aluminum. So what I've decided to get you is your very own copy of Cap, the uh, Kaiser Aluminum Pig, the mascot of the, the Aluminum Hall of Fame <laughs> at Disneyland. No way. That is fantastic. Thank you, Jim. Just a figure, you know, something to put up on the coffee table to distract Laurel from Dream Valley Valleys. It's like, what's the deal with the pig? It's like, hi. Oh, you're talking to me again. Oh, good. <laughs> It's funny because the uh, the characters will, when you interact with them, they'll say a couple of words, like a greeting mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, you can sort of hear it out of one ear. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who's who said that? Especially if you're in a different room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, super fun. World's okay. actually playing right now as we, uh, as we talk. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, like I said, lots of anniversaries going mm-hmm. on this week. This is also the, uh, the one-year anniversary of the return of the Festival of Fantasy Parade. In the Magic Kingdom, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, well, again, this uh, parade originally launched at that theme park back in March of, of 2014 and was supposed to shine a spotlight on all of the stories that were now being told in the newly expanded Fantasyland. Oh. Is really is that the, is that the story well, of the that, parade? Because I, I really didn't get it until now. That was the late-in-the-game justification for bringing Festival oh, of Fantasy okay. right. to, okay. uh, to the Magic Kingdom. Anyway, Festival of Fantasy got shuttered back on March 12, 2020 due to the pandemic. And, and when the Magic Kingdom reopened on July 11th of that same year, mm-hmm. no parade. So, Len, you talked about how you sort of enjoyed the character cavalcades more than, oh, than the yeah. parades. I, I did for a couple of reasons. One is you don't have to camp out for 45 minutes to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone who's ever sat on asphalt in the Florida sun during summer waiting for a parade understands what I'm saying there. This is true. Number two is it doesn't cut off traffic around the park as long as a, as, as much as a parade does, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, and again, anyone who's ever tried to get from one side of the Magic Kingdom to another mm-hmm. across the parade route knows how difficult that can be. Yeah, and I kind of like the spontaneity of it. I know the the couple of cavalcades that are left right now are actually on a schedule. I think it's ingrained in Disney's DNA mm-hmm. to schedule things after a while. It's just mm-hmm. how they do things. But yeah, I think I, I really enjoyed them when they uh, when they came back. That and um, so I think you know cavalcades was something that should have stuck around mm-hmm. even after the pandemic. And the other thing that I really liked, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. is six foot distancing in the queues. And I, I still think, Jim, to this day, mm-hmm. it feels like you're moving faster, even though the same number of people are in line, because you've got six feet between and you can walk between That's... people. I, I, there's a psychology there that needs to be studied. 
Okay. Interesting point. Well, anyway, okay. Back to almost a week ago last year of March 9th, 2022, a pared down version of Festival Fantasy began rolling through the Magic Kingdom again. Yep. It made me happy to see the, the mime inflatable and the tangled piece. Yep. Like, well, it was just, just nice to have that level of energy and excitement in the streets again. And consider ourselves lucky that we, we got it back as early as we did. Did you see Justice, you know, again, we're recording this on March 2nd, but did you see just this past weekend Disneyland's Magic Happens Parade? Which, by the way, the, those poor bastards. They, they, that parade got shut down less than two weeks after it debuted in March of uh, 2020, again, uh, due to the pandemic, and mm-hmm. only just came back to the happiest place on earth late last month. And, and in fact, it yeah, was a, end of February. Yeah. Well, but that was the interesting thing. Here's some thought, weather. <laughs> oh, there we go. Torrential rain and snow in Southern California. Yeah. But it was supposed to debut on Friday, February 24th was postponed for two days in a row and finally came back into the park on Sunday, uh, February 26th. And here's a weird stat, Lynn. More than half of the cast members who had originally been cast for the Mar- again, the 2020 edition of the park came back to do Magic Happens. That's amazing. That's a, that's a pretty solid number. Okay. By the way, Jim, I knew the weather was bad in Disneyland when mm-hmm. they closed the park an hour early. <laughs> like, how often does that happen? The people in the Emporium are like, well, what are you, crazy? You don't understand how many sweatshirts you were selling? Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, back to Festival of Fantasy. What's always fascinated me about this particular parade of the Magic Kingdom is that two of the units in the parade, the Princess Garden, it's a thing toward the front of the parade that features Belle and the Beast, uh, Cinderella and Prince Charming, uh, Princess Tiana and, and Prince Naveen, along with Anna yep. and Elsa. As well as the Mickey's airship and the finale unit, that's that giant whale-shaped thing uh, at the back of the parade. Both of those units, Len, were recycled from Tokyo's Jubilation Parade. Uh, This was really they shipped them. They shipped them over. Oh God, yes. In fact, I got to talk with the the gentleman who works back in the uh, parade float barn back at, at the Magic Kingdom, and it just, it, it, it never mind a festival of fantasy, it was an agony of dismantling and reassembling. Not to mention the, the, the challenges of getting a 90-foot whale through customs. <laughs> so, yeah, these two units traveled from Tokyo to Orlando. And by the way, not the first time a Tokyo show has come to Orlando, which, which brings hmm. us to the topic of today's show, Cinderella-bration. This project started out in Tokyo as Cinderella-bration, Lights of Romance, also known as uh, the Cinderella Royal Coronation. It was something that was done at Tokyo Disneyland starting in the winter of 2003 and then continued in in the winter months through 2008. It was done largely as an artificial way to boost attendance at Tokyo Disneyland during the colder times of year, which, by the way, when the wind comes off of Tokyo Bay, very impressive. Is it? Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Other thing worth considering here is that starting in, in 2003, Tokyo Disney finally had some competition What with Tokyo Disney Seas opening right next door. So the thinking was, let's do something special over at Tokyo Disneyland to try to lure guests from Tokyo Disney Sea. So this is an elaborate outdoor pageant staged in and around Tokyo Disneyland's version of Cinderella Castle. And it depicts a moment that wasn't actually in Disney's animated film from 1950, which is Cinderella's Royal Crowning. 
And lots of emphasis on pageantry and spectacle. The show starts off with the fairy godmother appearing in the the centralmost balcony on the castle and asking if everyone, you know, standing in front of the castle has heard the story of Cinderella. It's like, you know, and then asks, would you like to see the rest of the story, the the moment when she's crowned princess? And Hmm. from that point, dancers come on stage, and then we start to get our our special guests. And these are the, the Disney princesses as of 2003. So you have... Snow White and her prince. You have Aurora Mm -hmm. and her prince. You have Jasmine and Aladdin. And you have Belle and the Beast. And then, of course, because it's a Disney theme park show, Mickey, Donald, Goofy, Minnie show up. And evidently, the the White Rabbit and the Queen of Hearts. I'm not getting that one, but that... Uh, Maybe the White Rabbit is the consort? I'm not sure. You know, Jim, there have always been rumors. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's at least five okay. jokes there. I can't I, do. I, Damn. I, it, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good. I know the joke I, you're I, thinking of. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. Um, Lady Tremaine and the Ugly Stepsisters, not allowed. Uh, anyway, it's- Really? Yeah. But now they lean into the film, a, a gentleman dressed as the, the bald king with his big white mustache and the, the major mm-hmm. domo, the, the guy who actually mm-hmm. dropped Cinderella's slipper, the, the, the climax of the animated feature, they're on stage and, and it's time for Cinderella to come on stage and be crowned. And so first she comes in in a, in a horse-drawn carriage, the, the, the pumpkin coach, and, and her mice are the attendants. And, and then she gets on stage and it, it's this wonderful sort of echoing of the moment from the movie where the the king is so sort of befuddled by the beauty of, of Cinderella, he he kind of loses himself for a moment. But at this point, she's been crowned and she's asked by her princes, you know, is there anything else we could do? And and she's like, oh, I just wish the the woman who made this all possible could be here. The, the, my fairy godmother, I'd love so love to hmm. thank her. And then, of course, she reappears on the balcony and there's daytime fireworks and da-da, the show is over. So, huh. look, Len, it's only 18 minutes long, which means it can be staged multiple times a day. And people really love this show in Tokyo. And oh, interesting. the folks who were prepping the happiest homecoming, Disneyland's 50th birthday celebration for 2005, they notice And there was this deliberate effort to take Disneyland's 50th anniversary and change it in to a worldwide celebration. You know, in fact, for Orlando, there was a, in Anaheim, it was the happiest homecoming, where in Orlando was the happiest celebration on earth. And with the idea that, well, Disneyland was celebrating its birthday, but visitors to Walt Disney World, they were going to get the presents. So with this conceit in mind, Lights, Motor, Action, the Extreme Sun Show. Uh, that I was I was thinking about this the other day. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, and and then weren't you actually at the opening of Soaring in two thousand five? I did the opening of Lights, Motor, Action mm-hmm. and Soaring, and this mm-hmm. is what got me thinking about Lights, Motor, Action. So this is a tangential story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge, mm-hmm. and which is where Disney had put up the celebrities mm-hmm. for these opening events, and. I happened to share an elevator and then a later conversation with Robbie Knievel, Evil Knievel's son, during and uh, for the opening of he was there for the opening of Lights Motor Action. He was going to do a jump, a motorcycle Mm -hmm. jump, during the stage. And because we're going to Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. I'm prepping for our our Vegas trip, and I was going over some notes about Evil Knievel's jump. 
at oh uh, at Caesar's Palace, and I was thinking, well, I you know I never met Evil, mm-hmm. but I met Robbie Knievel and and Jim. Mm-hmm. The impression that I got, and Robbie Knievel's passed away recently too, like in the last year. Oh. Robbie Knievel was like physically in person, mm-hmm. and I've met celebrities, and I've met athletes, and I've met mm-hmm. you know millionaires and stuff. Robbie Knievel was the coolest person I ever met. <laughs> Honest to God, he was the coolest dude I have ever met in person. And it's not even close. Like, I don't even know who number two would be on that list. He was just the kind of guy that you talked to for five seconds and was like, we we need to, to have a beer together. Like, just the cool. I have no idea what his politics are. I don't know what, he, what else he did, what he was like in life or how he treated people. Seemed like the absolute coolest dude in the world. I was thinking about that because of, you know, we're going to Vegas and stuff. Anyway. I'm sure Robbie Knievel is a cool guy, but he's no Josh Gad. He's not, but it's true. I have not, I have not actually met Josh Gad in person. We're, we're so there's still room that. at the top, but it's, you know, there we kind go. of a tight fit up there. There we go. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Also, Soren, yeah, did that too, yeah? Yeah, and uh, to continue the, the gift, uh, <laughs> Animal Kingdom got a jam and jing, jung, uh, jamming jingle, jung, you know, uh, whatever the name of the prairie was. Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade, yeah. There we go. Finally, at the Magic Kingdom, we got a stateside version of uh, Cinderella Liberation. This show's kind of a gimme, uh, given yeah. that Tokyo Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom, you know, at Walt Disney World, both have a, a giant Cinderella castle at their center. It's easy enough to translate this Japanese show with all of its princess pageantry for Florida. And so it opens March 15, 2005, and relatively short run. Uh, it After 17 months, September of 2006, it's it shut down. Hmm. It's replaced by Dream Along with Mickey, also staged out in front of the castle. I do remember that one. Yeah. yeah. That show, uh, th- this changeout was done not because Cinderella Bration wasn't drawing crowds, because it still was, but rather because Dream Along with Mickey was a smaller cast and was going to be cheaper to produce. <laughs> Jim, any, anytime we see a date mm-hmm. of something uh, starting or ending around the beginning of Disney's fiscal year. Yeah. <laughs> so September 16th is pretty close to October 1st. I immediately think budget. There we right, go. go there we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Disney notices something. Every day when Cinderella Bration ends, there are dozens of guests who would gather at the back of the castle. They're not out front watching the show. They're at the back and they're squealing as the Disney princesses are making their way to, you know how you can get down to the utilidors from there? There's a, a little, there's a door where you can get down to the utilidors. The princess would have to, to pass by there. And yeah. these people were frantic. They were begging for autographs. They wanted to get their pictures taken with all five princesses. And yeah. Disney princesses had only been launched as a brand back in 2001. Right. And this is pre-iPhone, too. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. So, you know, Andrew Mooney launches that in 2001. By 2006, it's now a $3 billion a year earner. And mm. obviously, the company's looking for ways to capitalize on this IP. And and the idea that guests got very excited when they saw lots of Disney princesses live all together in one spot stuck. So entertainment and Disney consumer products revisited this idea. You know, in fact, you probably remember these, Len, the special coronation events. I do, I do. They made a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was one step below an actual royal coronation. There we go. There we go. We we had one in 2010 when Tiana 
was first established mm-hmm. at Disney Princess. Uh, Rapunzel got the very same ceremony in 2011. And then in April of 2013, we got our first Pixar Princess. And there were two ideas on the table. One of them involved turning Snow White's scary adventure at the, the Magic Kingdom into a Disney Princess ride. In much the same way we, we were talking on, a, on the earlier show about how they left the track in place on Delta Dream Flight and the, the, the route that the Omnimover followed for that. Uh, also, uh, if you had wings, uh, it's the exact same track route uh, that you, you ride on today for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. But the notion was same thing. You leave the ride system in place for Snow White's Scary Adventure. And what you do is basically knock down the sets inside of the building, except for that opening scene where you saw Snow White outside in the courtyard by the wishing well. And -hmm. then every room in the attraction would be a new Disney princess. So you would see... Really interesting. Yeah, interesting idea. But what stuck in people's heads was that moment after Cinderella Bration would would end and the, the squealing of all the princesses together. And what ended up happening was Disney opted to table the idea of the Disney Princess ride in favor of the Disney Princess Fairy Tale Hall. Is that how we got that? That's Is that the story? That's how we got it. No way. Yeah. May of 2012, Scary Adventure closes. They got the building. September of 2013, we get Fairy Tale Hall. Because this is in the this is in the middle of the redesign and construction of, of New Fantasyland. Yep. And and more to the point, remember, wow. this is the the significant change from when uh, Jay Rizzullo was in charge of the project to when right. Tom Staggs came in. And Tom, remember, Tom Staggs right. was a oh, CFO okay, okay. and had seen all of the money that had been made off of the Disney princesses line. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's lean into that idea. So that's that's how it happened. That's, that's super how it interesting. Happened. By the way, when you refer to Tom Staggs, if you could just say future Disney CEO Tom Staggs, that I, would just I, be I, 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 from your prescient. lips. From your lips. I'm just, I'm you know, just saying. You know. Okay. So that's how we got Fairy Tale Hall. That's how we got Fairy Tale Hall. I didn't Hall. know and that. It, but again, you know, it, with the notion of you didn't just get one princess. You got right, you Tiana get and a visiting princess. And by the way, yeah. <laughs> that turn of phrase was deliberately chosen. <laughs> you know, the, the notion yeah. of the visiting princess because it made it that much easier to schedule a face characters. You know, to the effect, exactly. Yeah. All right, you know, Rapunzel, you're up. <laughs> and a player to be named later. <laughs> Cinderella, and a player to be named later. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Yeah. You know, the, the fairy tale hole opens in September of 2013. Oh, my God. Do you remember the waits for this? Two months later, Frozen opens in theaters. And the waits for Fairy Tale Hall suddenly seemed very short compared to the waits over in Norway, yeah. where your Anna Five and hours, Elsa yeah. you know, yeah. were meeting folks. I mean, at least at Fairy Tale Hall, you had some of the queue in the shade. Well, this was the thing. Didn't they have? Didn't they? Didn't they briefly have uh, Anna and Elsa in Fairy Tale Hall? I, uh, and then they were like, "Yeah, we can't. We can't do this with no. the lines and move them to Norway." No, no, that's it exactly. That's it exactly. Yeah. And. What was fascinating was to watch how Anna and Elsa were surgically used or strategically used mm-hmm. at the parks. Yeah. I mean, for example, yeah. yes, they put them in Epcot. And then the very next summer, uh, summer of, of, oh yeah, you know, they're over at the studio for a, a three-month-long summer frozen fun. Yeah, they basically own the middle part of that decade. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then... 
It wasn't until, uh, what was it, uh, June of 2016, we got the Frozen Ever After redo of Maelstrom. Likewise, Anna and Elsa's Summerhus right yeah. next door, which we have to talk about at some point, particularly given the trick they used to move so many people so quickly through that thing. It is well done. I, I was uh, I was there a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. looking at specifically at the architecture mm-hmm. there for a, a, a thing I'm writing, but Disney actually did a pretty great job of sort of like mimicking traditional Norwegian architecture with the Royal Summerhus. No, 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 totally. I mean, it, it's authentic, but at the same time, when you understand how the back of house operates, the physical operation with everybody exiting through the garage, which just happens to be the, the gift shop. We, we should probably do just a, just a show on, on the Frozen Princess's impact in the park. Oh, no, no, no. I in mean, parks, yeah. if you think about, you know, think about it. We've got just this year, Frozen Land opening in Hong Kong, Disneyland, and then what is it, in 2024, you know, Frozen, frozen yeah, uh, Fantasy yeah. Springs, that they get a Frozen Land or a mini land there. Likewise, yeah. a, a Frozen Land at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. And Lord knows what's going to happen when Frozen 3 arrives in theaters. Well, I mean, the uh, the one in Tokyo Disneyland, that's, I mean, it's a, it's physically small, but that's still like a, what, a probably, well, it's a $2 billion investment in the expansion there. Oh, yeah. And so that's got to be, you know, close to a billion just by itself. Yeah. And, and think about it. You have your Peter Pan themed area. You have your Tangled Attraction, yeah. plus your dedicated hotel. That's a huge project. It's going to be fascinating to see the impact that has to the gravitational center of that park uh, when it all opens. But... So that's a look back at Cinderella Bration, which I don't think I actually ever got to see this in person myself. I mean, it, it's available on, on YouTube and the like, but yeah. I'm also fascinated that, that you seem to have somehow missed it in person. So it's, you know, it, I, I missed it, but I, the fact that Cinderella Bration led to Princess Fairy Tale Hall, mm-hmm. which led to all the princess stuff that we have, that's, I, I didn't realize that before the show, Jim. Great job. Well, I try. So. By the way, uh, I don't know if you uh, if you follow uh, 1990s uh, TV personalities on Twitter, but did you see Jewel State from Firefly? Her tweet about Firefly is now on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So she's like, uh, so the tweet that she sent out uh, <laughs> no. in, earlier this month is, my family's just now discovered that Firefly is on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which means they've only just now discovered that I am a Disney princess by default. I don't make the rules. I'm basically Ariel now. <laughs> Somebody just shared an image with me, uh, you know, about something related to, to Disney Plus and the like, where very quietly Anastasia, which remember, oh, was an really? uh, animated feature that was produced by 20th Century Fox. By, Century Fox. By Don yeah, yeah, Bluth. Yeah. They have begun very quiet. I mean, she's towards the bottom, but it's like when mm-hmm. they list a Disney princess Anastasia is is there in the pile. Yeesh. Well, I, you know, not as good as you know the the, the princess from Firefly, of course, but still, yeah, you know, it's a big tent. It's a big, it's tent, a big yeah. tent. There we go. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jimmy Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. On next week's show, we'll be back in the office for shows starting March 20th, unless Jim gets stuck on the Treasure Island pirate ship again. Jim, don't do that. 
<laughs> and you can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be comparing Prosecco, Cava, and Champagne-based mimosas at the Fargo Brunch Festival on Saturday, June 4th, 2023 at the Wild Terra Cider Company on 12th Street in beautiful downtown Fargo, North Dakota. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.